0: Turn with me please again. We're just going to lift one verse. This will be more like a Bible study tonight for you. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Please keep your Bible open. If you can't keep up And, and please try and listen. This is a little in depth for some people. Others will know it right away. Chapter 3 verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now we have looked in two weeks. At the last days, we've also looked at perilous times. And we're going to look at the times we're living in again tonight. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to take your word and inscribe it in every heart and imprint it in every mind. And Lord, even as we've been singing, there's no one compares to you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Lord. Father, take your word tonight. And Lord, have vain own way in all of our lives, we pray and ask it in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And know this also, in the last days perilous times shall come, Paul writes to a young Timothy, probably around 22 to 25 years of age. Remember last week, we quoted the Reverend Harry Bissecher, professor from Richmond College. He wrote uh, concerning this line or this verse, he wrote, and I quote him, it speaks of future error, and its present germs. The germs of evil indeed are already present. In other words, what Paul was writing to Timothy was that there was evil already in the world. Now, we're going to look at that in a moment. We're going to go a little bit further, but I'm sure If you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, we will have this strengthened. As Paul writes again to the church of Thessalonica, he says, For the mystery of iniquity, notice, doth already work. The reason we need to bring it down to Paul's day, to Timothy's day, to the church of Thessalonica's day, Even as we mentioned Peter before to Peter's day to the day even of our Lord Jesus is because that's when we start the last days. And the reason we're bringing it down is to show you that there are those who say from Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 19 that is going to happen when the church is raptured. And all this will happen and you and I will know nothing about it then why pray tell us it in our Bible? For we'll not need to know it. Rather we're told that this has already started to work in the days of Christ and Paul and Peter and Timothy and the churches that were there. There was an evil already at work and even before that we're going to show you how that antichrist system was way before that again. Notice what First John chapter 4 and verse 3 says. We read it last week with every word, every verse where the word Antichrist is in Scripture. We read every one of them last week. But notice what it says. Here's one we'll read just for time's sake. Every spirit, notice that, confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh. Now note that, is not of God. And is that spirit of Antichrist, not a one-man world dictator to come at the end. No, is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come. Notice, and even now already it is in the world. Notice the word world there. It is the Greek word "cosmos." It means this world's system of things the banking system, the religious system. It's trying to start or or to build up to a, a new world order, a new world economy, a one world religion. And he says it's already happening now. That is in his day. The germs that were there would escalate, would multiply, would accumulate, and it would be like that right to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's something I need you to grasp hold of before we go any further. We are told that there will be this world system set up and a world dictator and so on. I don't doubt that there could be a, 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 a European Union president that would come. I don't doubt that. But that's not, that's not the case here. The case here is that we are looking for a system that would infiltrate the whole world system economy religious system, the financials, everything, multinational. Notice this. Turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. I told you this goes against the grain of most theology today. Because the teaching of a future one-world Antichrist, as I said, comes from Jesuit theology, written as a Jew called Rabbi Ben Ezra. You have uh, the Roman Catholic Jesuit priest who was called Lacuntha, and Lacuntha wrote it as, a, as, as, a, as a, a rabbi called Ben Ezra. The Catholic Church threw it out, didn't want it, and so the Protestant says, well, if they don't want it, it must be good. We'll have it. And it came in through, as I said, Schofield Reference Bible. It came in through John Nelson Darby who headed the Brethren movement. It came through a man who was an Anglican minister called Irving. It actually turned him from the true faith, from the faith that was once delivered onto the saints. It turned him to become a Roman Catholic again. That is the goal of that theology. It has infiltrated all of, well, most of, a lot of Christendom today. Now, notice what Revelation 16 says. Let your eye run down to verse 12, please. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Now, I you know the days in which you're living. The great river Euphrates, we're told, has to dry up. Touched on it in part one. I can't go into it all, but it has to dry up. For this kings of the east to come over from the east toward the west, friend, as, as I said before, why on earth with modern technology, the push of a button, we could leave the earth as a smoking cinder in space? With a rocket that would go over or an airplane in a split second, why would we need the river Euphrates to dry up? The thing is we don't. The River Euphrates drying up was the population of the Turkish Ottoman Empire that dried up around that fertile crescent. If you look where Abraham came from and the people populated around the river so they could grow their crops and irrigate the land. But it started to dry up because the Lord had called time on the Turkish Ottoman Empire. 1917, we told you General Allenby flew over Jerusalem and liberated Jerusalem without a bomb being dropped or a shot being fired, fulfilling Isaiah 31 and 5, as birds flying. You'll have to get the, the CD of part one or else look it up for yourself. And that was Bible prophecy. That fulfilled what is known as the seven times punishment of Judah. That is the southern kingdom of Israel. And that fulfilled that seven times punishment of 2,520 years from their captivity until they were, that city was released in 1917, December the 9th to be more precise. So this is already the days we're living in. The Euphrates has already dried up and we are now living almost 100 years past that. Let's read on. The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the waters thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. It has taken from then, it's taken time for communism to take hold of China, Mao Zedong took communism to China. It has taken all that time to grasp hold of the people, to build themselves up to a superpower in the world. India is another rising economy and superpower. And also we look toward the closer east to the land of Israel, which would be Iran and so on. Persia of Bible times. Persia is mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38 of the conglomerate of nations that will come against the land of Israel and then the ships of Tarsus, the naval fleets of America and Britain will go against them. Let me say something. As we're sitting here tonight and as we're speaking to you tonight, do you know that one of the biggest military fleets from the Second World War is now sitting in the Middle East? It's sitting at the Red Sea. You know why? Because they're waiting on the Israelis attacking Iran and they're sitting ready for a whole upheaval in the Middle East. They're already there. Will it happen? I don't know. The Lord knows when. I'm just saying these are the nations that are gathering together. Revelation 16, let's read on. Verse 13, and I saw, here is the crux of the matter. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Notice, they're all demonic unclean spirits. And notice this, they're all working, not even necessarily with one another, but to come to one end. But they come from one source. Let me go on. And what is it for? It says, It's go forth unto the kings of the earth. It's worldwide now. goes forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The dragon is the communist movement, Marxism, socialism in its extremities. Do you know even the like of Karl Marx? We mentioned him before. Karl Marx was a Jew. But listen to what Karl Marx quoted And I quote him, my object in life is to dethrone God and destroy the West. Think about that. Here we have those who are hidden behind masks and here we have them working to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Know the days that you and I are living in. By the way, Karl Marx didn't dethrone God. He's dead and God's still alive. They are days of evil. They are demonic days. They are unrighteous days. We are living in unclean days. The days in which we live in, they are Armageddon days. You're living in the days of Armageddon now. They are days of God's wrath. They are the days of God's judgment upon nations. They are the days of God's gathering together to that battle. They are the days that are running up to it. And they are the days, the great day of God Almighty. In other words, Jesus is coming soon. The Lord Jesus will return. He will break the skies. They will roll back like a scroll and we shall see the King. (laughs) He is coming soon. Understand and know the days which we are living in. They are days which are the last days, as we looked at one or two weeks ago. They are the days of the end, approaching the end of the age. They are the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They are the days when Christ will set up his kingdom and rule and reign. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15. The Lord gives a warning. And the Lord says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Do you know the temple guard in Jerusalem, when they guarded that great edifice where they went to worship the Lord, that whenever they gathered around, the soldiers or the temple guard would have gathered at strategic points and they would have stood guard watching for dangers, watching for strangers watching for those who would come in to destroy the temple. But sometimes sleep took over them. And when sleep took over them, some of them actually derobed and lay down on their robes, thinking no one will come around. But the captain some nights came around when they weren't expecting it and shouts attention. They all jump up, every soldier standing at his post, watching and waiting. But the one who was sleeping wakes up from his drowsy stupor and he's in the nude. Can you imagine his face? Can you imagine what it was like for him to stand there completely naked, maybe just even a loincloth on? And we're told that the temple guard would have gathered up his clothes and they would have burnt them in front of everyone. And they knew that he was a shame to the people. Jesus says, watch that you're not caught out. Church, let's not be sleeping. Know the days in which we are living in. And let us serve the Lord with a whole heart. Listen to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 10. The last book of the Bible. The last chapter of the Bible. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said. It says, And he saith unto me, that is unto John, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Notice, for the time is at hand. The time is at hand. Take a mental note of those words. The time is at hand. That's the last book. That's the last chapter. And we're told the time is at hand. Daniel chapter 12. We have mentioned this in one of our readings. Remember what is shut in Daniel is opened in Revelation. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 says. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Notice the words, even to the time of the end. And here is John on the isle called Patmos, and Christ gives him this vision, and he says, don't seal it, for the time's at hand. But you'll be told, don't read it, for we don't need to know it. Isn't that true? It's not what Jesus says. Notice what it says here in Revelation chapter 1, the first chapter of the last book. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. The first chapter, the last chapter, the time is at hand. Don't steal the book. Don't steal it. The time is at hand. In Revelation chapter 16, let's look at it for a moment, please. And let's read verse 16. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. See that verse or that word or that term, it is done. It is the exact same way that Jesus on the cross cried, It is finished. Pet and food. Here, this is the last one, he says. It is done. No turning back. There's no turning back. No repenting after this point. It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So many an earthquake, and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Notice the world the, the global world economy, everything. Notice this. And the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hill out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, Of the hill, for the, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Here we have in verse 19, it mentions a great city. Now people say the great city is Jerusalem. In other places it does say Jerusalem is a great city. But linked in here, if it's a great city, then why build a Jewish temple? For it says here, the great city is split in three and it's destroyed. And if it isn't the great city, then it will be destroyed anyway. For when Christ returns, his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives and it will cleave in the midst. Great earthquake since like was never before. Great Babylon, the great city, is Rome. Rome was the dominant world power. And I'm going to show you that in prophecy in a moment. Rome was a dominant world power at the time. Rome was told off and prophesied in the book of Daniel. And that's where we're going to go to. Go with me please first of all to Revelation chapter 17 please. I want to show you this system that is now going to be destroyed Revelation chapter 17, and let's eye run down for time's sake you can, to verse 5. This woman is, rides a beast, and we're told as she rides the beast that this woman is called the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, or sits around many nations and peoples. And notice what it says in verse 5, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery or the hidden truth of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath seven heads, ten horns. Mark that. The beast has seven heads and ten horns. Let your eye run over, please, just for a moment to Revelation chapter 18. This is Babylon economic, economical Babylon. Revelation chapter 18 and verse 2, please. And he cried mightily with a strong voice. This is an angel saying, Babylon the great, that's who we're reading about, is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, And the hold of every foul spirit, and cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Here is trading, here is a monetary system. Here is a religious system, a monetary system. And Revelation 19, let's go to it in verse 2 then. And after, verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his saints at her hand. Notice that. So here we have the nations coming under judgment. We will look at that on another time. What is this beast? Where does it originate from? These spirits that are gathering the nations together, working on manipulating men in high places and in governments. Whenever you go to the Parliament, they're there. When you go to Washington, they're there. You can go to any place on the earth and they are there. They are called the New World Order. Where was the river started from? Just as a river may be a trickle down a mountain to come into a great lake, where did it start from? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 11, please. I hope you can stay with me tonight. And if you can't, please get the CD or download it. It would maybe be better for you. Revelation chapter, or sorry, Genesis chapter 10. Here is the start. The ultimate start is the Garden of Eden. Satan changing the word of God to eighth. But here is when nations are gathered. Here's when a people gathers. Here's when someone gets elevated. Here's when man tries to reach heaven. Revelation chapter 10. And beginning to read at verse 8 please. And Cush begot Nimrod. Mark the word. The name. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And at the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Take a note. And Iraq, and Akkad, and Kalnith, in the land of Shinar. Now take a note of the geographical area where this is. So here is Nimrod. By the way, what's wrong with Nimrod being a mighty one in the earth? He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. This is what uh, a lot of some of the Jewish writings say about this. It says that Nimrod, being a mighty one on the earth, means he became strong. He became populous. He became elevated. He became a warrior. And notice this in the verse 9. He was mighty hunter before the Lord, means that he hunted down men and women before God. In other words, he started a one-world Order, a new word order, a one word government. And he started hunting down those who would not take his mark. He started hunting down those that would not bow down and worship him. That's the idea of this. It's not a nice flurry verse, as people think, for God seems unrighteous then, doesn't he, when he scatters the people? Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. The Lord scatters them. Verse 8, it says, The Lord comes down to see this tower that they're building. And it says, And so the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. So here God comes down. He scatters them. He confounds their language. They don't understand one another. And then they go around further afield. They spread, they spread. And their religion, their pagan, heathen deities, go with them. They're spreading everywhere. Even if you go to, like, of Egypt, and if you go to Greece, all, the, all those things, the, the Greek gods and the Egyptian gods, all started from Babylon. India, all of them, all started from Babylon. Okay, this is what I want you to know. The, the place Shinar is where Abraham came from, that fertile crescent, the river Euphrates, we talked about earlier. There's my, my map the river Euphrates. That's Shinar. Do you know the, the great city of Nineveh? The great city of Nineveh, the name actually, the, uh, in around the name in, in the Syriac language is the word Nineveh, or it can be Nimrod, and it means Nimrod. Also there was artifacts that were found to the worship and to the deity called Ninus, the founder of Nineveh, who was Nimrod himself. That's the city where the Lord sent Job to go and preach against it. Tell them they were sinning. And in that city, there was 60 miles across from one side to the other, a massive city. God sent one man. Remember, he runs away and he goes into the fish's mouth. The fish swallows him into the belly and spews him up on the land and he goes back and he preaches again. You know, know, the Lord used that for his glory. Because one of their main deities in God, one was Ishtar, where we get Easter from. Hello? Just to let you know. And another one was Dagon. And Dagon was the fish god. And you're going to see as we go along where the Dagon's mouth is tonight. Just in case I forget, I'll tell you now. <laughs> Did you ever see the men with the big hat? Church men. The big mitre, that's the mouth of Dagon, the fish god. Go to Rome, you'll find it. Sadly, go to Westminster, you'll find it too. It's Babylonian. It's Babylon. Go to your minister and say, excuse me, do you know where that mitre comes from? That's a Dagon fish mitre and he won't believe you. Take them to the scriptures. Let me go on. Of course, the fish spewed Jonah out of the mouth. And they seen Jonah as the fish god, but Jonah preached Jehovah. And when he preached of Yahweh, Jehovah, the one true living God, they saw that the glory of God covered their gods. and was greater than their gods, and they repented before it. I want to show you something now. Go with me to Revelation chapter 12, please. Revelation chapter 12. I said this would be a Bible study. You'll be all over the place tonight. Thank you for your patience. Revelation chapter 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and moon under her feet, Upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Folks, that is not the Catholic Church, neither is it Mary, that is Israel. Let me go on. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, behold, a great red dragon. Notice this a great red dragon having remember I told you the to note how many heads? Seven heads. Note the similarities, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And he drew the third part of the stars of heaven and they cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. The Lord Jesus Christ, bless him. And with her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. I'll talk about that some other night sometime. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought on his angels and prevailed not. Neither, were there, neither was there place found more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. Notice who the dragon is. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Notice that. By the blood first and then a testimony. I'm a good person. Listen to my testimony. I'm a church person. Listen to my testimony. You haven't got one if you aren't under the blood. No blood, no testimony. Listen. And then their lives die. They love not their lives unto death. So take note here tonight. Here we have this great red dragon. Revelation 13, please. Turn with me to the next chapter. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Notice again, seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns. And upon his head, the heads, the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. And his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. Who was it the devil gave this kingdom the power? Revelation thirteen eleven, for time's sake. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast. In other words, he's just the same, only he's different. He's now changed. He's morphed, in other words. The first beast before him, and causeth the earth, and them which dwell therein, to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Now you're going to hear that that some man gets shot, or whatever, and he rises up again to think he's dead, and he rises up. That is not right. This has already happened. This happened when pagan Rome was dying and papal Rome was rising. That was the deadly wound of Rome. Okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty, will we? Boy, look at the time. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's trace Babylon for a moment. Turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Remember those base seven heads, ten horns? Remember the the beast, the the leopard, and the bear, and the lion, and so on? Daniel chapter 2, please. Now, Daniel is that which was given to Daniel. The book of Daniel is shut. The book of Revelation is opened. Remember that. That is a real key to help you. The book of Daniel is closed. Don't be saying anything, Daniel, now. John, don't seal the books. It's now at hand. The time is at hand. Not two, three thousand years down the road. The time is at hand, he says. Daniel chapter 2, please. And let's read from verse 31. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Let me just tell you what's happening. No one can tell him the dream. And Daniel comes in and Daniel tells him the dream. And this is the dream. Verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. And this great image, whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. Notice, the image's head was of gold, of fine gold, and his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and break them in pieces. Then was the iron and the clay, the brass, the silver and the gold broken to pieces together. Now notice that, together. In other words, that beast which took the form of the first beast, it's the same here, the gold, the silver, the brass, right down to the iron. It's all through the one body. It takes all the representation and all the symbology and all the reality from it. So what's in the gold head remains to the feet. Is everyone with me in that? What's in the gold will remain to the feet. I notice this. Verse 35. Became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell thee the interpretation thereof before the king. Notice this. thou O king... Art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory, and wheresoever the children of men dwell, notice, and the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thy hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all, thou art this head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. That's your kingdom. You can see here, the head of gold was the Babylonian kingdom. Then after Babylon was struggling and the, the Medes and the Persians came, they were known as the silver kingdom. Then, of course, after that came Alexander the Great, and that was the bronze or brass kingdom. Then the legs of iron came the Roman Caesars, the pagan Roman Empire. And from there, remember the two beasts? The second was like the first. They just changed here we have the two piece, The legs of iron and the ten toes start to change. Iron and clay. It's all the iron running through. Is everyone with me now? So here we have a morphing kingdom. A changing kingdom. Not a conquered by a different people kingdom. It takes a different form. Notice this. Babylon. It's Assyria. Sorry, Babylon is the gold. The Medes and Persians are the the arms, and then Alexander the Great Roman Empire. So what is the next empire? The next empire is Papal Rome and the European Union. It's called the Little Horn of Daniel and I'm going to show you that in a moment, God willing and time willing. Turn with me please to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 Daniel chapter 7 let your eyes run down please to verse let's read from verse 2 just Daniel spake and said I saw in my vision and by night and behold the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea and the four beasts here we go again came up from the sea, diverse or different one from another. The first was like a lion. Remember Revelation, these animals that were mentioned? The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Isn't that strange? A man's heart was given to it. This lion, as you can see, this lion is the same as the head of gold. You see, men like to see themselves as not too bad. Men like to see themselves as something wonderful. I am the head of gold, and next one is the silver, and so on. We like to see ourselves glorious and lovely, but before God, God showed Daniel what the kingdoms were like. He says they are ravenous, they are wild, they are sinful. Look at them. I ask you tonight, does God see you in Christ tonight, saved and washed in the blood, forgiven of your sin? Or does God see you in your sin? See the difference. This is how man sees and how God sees. How does God see you tonight? You know, the only way you can be forgiven is to come under the blood of the Lamb. Trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us look at this for a moment here. Here we have Daniel in Daniel chapter 7 having this dream and the Lord gives him the first beast. The Assyrian Empire, their symbol was a winged lion for ferocity and for speed. The man's heart, if you go to Daniel chapter 4 at home and read it, Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon was made like unto the beasts of the field he went mad God judged him for seven times and for seven years he went mad and his hair grew because he wouldn't listen to the word of God and wouldn't turn to God his nails grew like talons and his hair matted like feathers of a bird and then God had mercy and gave him a new heart And he praised the God of Daniel and of Israel, God of glory. See what God can do for your life tonight. Do you see what Christ wants to do for your life? It's maybe a waste. It's maybe down and low. Let me take you a little further here. Here we have, not only have a a winged lion, let me go down to the next one, verse 5. Verse 5 says, and another beast. Here's the second one like to a bear and it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said, thus unto it arise and devour much flesh. Here is a bear now shown unto us with three teeth or three ribs in his teeth. And of course this bear was lopsided. He was upside. He was up one side like this. This was the Medes and the Persians of the silver empire who came and conquered the Babylonian Empire. This was the Medes and the Persians. The Medes came and then the Persians with them. Now notice this. It was lopsided. It was a coalition government. Hello? (laughs) It doesn't work. It was a coalition government between the Medes and the Persians. And the Persians started to really take hold in the land. There was Darius, the maid, and also Cyrus was there. And the Lord moved on Cyrus and caused him to rise up to allow Judah back to build the walls in the temple we read of, Nebuchadne- of Nehemiah and Ezra. And he allowed him to come back. Why? For Jesus to be born from Judah. See these kingdoms working, God moving, God's allowing things to happen, God is manipulating, God's working in and through them all and they think they're all so clever, friend. I want to tell you something. Do you know you come in here tonight, it's not an accident? God has brought you here to hear these things. The lopsided, what were the three ribs? The three ribs were three provinces of Lydia, which is Turkey, or part of Turkey, Egypt and of course Babylon itself when it moved in in force and took. Let's go quickly to the next one. And after this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. What on earth are four wings and four heads of this leopard? Again, it's speed, ferocity of the army that would come. That is the brass kingdom of Alexander the Great, the Grecian Empire. The four wings were four provinces of Greece. Sparta and so on. They were having time to go through it. Four heads were four generals. And their names were Lysimachus, Cassandra, Lysusius and Ptolemy. They were four generals after the death of Alexander the Great in 300 BC. These four generals split the kingdom between them. And they were the four heads that ruled. Now you're told... This is going to happen when we're all floating around in the cloud somewhere. That's what you're told. You see the old Jesuit sitting? This will be a good one. Let's look at this last piece. We're going to have to wait until next week for the rest of it. Let's look at this piece. And after... This I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong, exceeding, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Notice this. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. Ten horns. Ten toes of the man, Ten horns, it's the same kingdom, but notice this one kingdom starts to morph. For after those ten horns, another horn comes out. That horn is the papacy. The ten kingdoms were ten literal provinces that were around Italy and took up most of what is modern Europe today when the Roman Empire were ruling and were reigning. Let me just run through something with you here and I'll try and round it up tonight so we know where we are before next week then. The ten kingdoms are the ten toes. As you can see here, I know if someone's listening to this, they can't see this PowerPoint. Here's the ten horns, ten kingdoms, ten toes. The iron comes down the iron and brass toes. And out of these ten there comes a horn that comes out and it takes with it another three horns. In other words, it was three provinces that when the papal uh, empire started to grow, that it tore out with it three of the provinces that were there. There was the Hurluet, the Lombards, and the Ostrogoths. You'll have to bear with me. That's from memory. There might be one out there. But there were three groups of people, and they just took them out of the road in order that they may rule. And they ruled over it and they started a revived Roman Empire. Today, there has been there has been much known as edicts or papal bulls from the days of Queen Elizabeth even saying that there would be Uh, there would be edicts that whoever was to conquer lands, conquered them for the papacy. They could rule them, but the papacy governed all. And they're still in place tonight. Now that's where the New World Order and all those things sprang from, from Babylon. And it goes into a monetary system and fills the whole earth and there's men now who have come out of this, the Illuminati, The Knights of Malta and all of those groupings have come and they've all formed. And then we have the Bilderbergers, the Jewish bankers who have got involved. They manipulating left, right and center. You know what they do? They start a war. That Then the governments have to borrow money. Then when they borrow money, the people have to pay high taxes. You know what it is? It puts you and I into slavery. You are a slave tonight. You're a slave to the British government. You're a slave to a new world order. I don't want to leave you like that. Okay. I do want you to home with your head down. Oh no. I have something to tell you. We'll talk more about the little horn. God willing. Next week. I have something to tell you. Go with me. If you will. To Daniel chapter 2 again. Bless the Lord. We'll miss the kingdom. Thank the Lord for his word. Verse 34, Daniel 2 verse 34. And I saw us till a stone was cut out without hands. Notice, it's not man-made. It was cut out without hands. A stone comes. Where does this come from? It's created, in other words. It's not man-made. It's not man-manufactured. Do you know we have a, we have a slide that there are ten provinces of the world That have now been divided up. Now this is true. You look to see the ten provinces of the world. See those ten provinces of the world. That's the new world order. But you know who's behind it and drew it up? The Roman Catholic Church. I didn't make that map. People are coming and joining with them. And here's the thing. In Babylon you have the, the Rome coming out. The Church of Babylon that is, the beast. You have the dragon communist coming out, Karl Marx, who was a Marxist. And through that, you have the Khazars who went down into Babylon. You have those who all married together. They drew up a document, what is known as the Babylonian Talmud. You know who reads the Babylonian Talmud? Most of the Jews in Israel. Jesus came and he says this, he says that they were more looking after the traditions of men than the commandments of God. That was the Babylonian Talmud. Keeping 613 commandments was not off the Lord. He gave them 10. And, he said, and they said 613 to be saved. Jesus says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. But those are they which testify of me, he said. So here we have Zionism. Boy, the world's in a bad state, isn't it? We're all slaves, aren't we? Let me see this. Well, let, let's read this, we'll finish. And I saw till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet. Notice, on the feet. Remember, everything's going right down. you are all just morphing. you are all just changing. Smote the image on his feet. That were of iron and clay and break them in pieces. Notice, And then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away. Hallelujah. That there no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. What is that? That is the glorious gospel started with Israel. Abraham called out of the ear of the Chaldees. You know, right from where Nimrod was, he was called out. God gave him his covenants and his promises. And from the loins of Abraham came the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel went west and followed around the whole world. And then the Lord is returning to set up the stone kingdom when he breaks the clouds. Maybe I'm the only one who gets excited at that, you know. <laughs> But what I tell you, that's the Lord's kingdom to come. And it's going to smash Babylon. And people are saying, oh, there's going to be a man. He's going to be strong and do all these things. We need to be, f-. listen, the Bible says the Lord's coming and he's the king. He is the king. wish I knew out him, the king is coming, the king is coming. I'd sing it to you. Well, wouldn't it get us all to sing it? Can I say this? I'll, I'll maybe mention this next week. I know it's been long and f- thank you for your attention. This has been a, a massive thing I've tried to cover tonight. I hope you've stayed with me. Do you see what I'm teaching you tonight? Do you know who believed this? All the reformers and the Puritans and men like Charles Haddon Spurgeon and John and Charles Wesley all believed this until that wee Jesuit's book was found, men started to chase the beast. Unwittingly and unknowingly. I would read to you if I had time, the the Westminster Confession of Faith believes us. John Wesley's diary, it's written in his diary. The Congregationalist, the Baptist Confession of Faith, 1688. I could go on and on and on. They all believed this. And what happened 100, 150 years ago, someone found the book and off they went. And you know what it was to take the eyes of the man who claimed to be God on earth, the little horn and Daniel, and the system of the beast and the whore, and to place it away in the future. There's somebody else coming. They're not that bad after all. That's all get together. So there you are want you to know if you're not saved, if you're a Protestant you're not saved and you're a Catholic you're not saved you're just not saved and all of us must be born again enter the kingdom of God that's more of a Bible study for you tonight may the Lord bless you and bless his word to our hearts you'd hear a pin drop with you so I hope you was able to keep up with me but God richly bless you Gary come and lead us in something and we'll praise as we go home